Welcome in. You have found the fastest growing podcast for the food and beverage industry. It's Winning at Work. I'm Tony Moore, expert headhunter, semi-professional podcaster, and each and every week I'm interviewing CEOs, founders, and executives of the fastest growing food and beverage companies on planet Earth. I want to know what makes their brands and their companies different, better, special. My totally awesome brands featured here take us deep into the world of the good for you category, functional beverages, beer and wine, food tech, Nutritech, food as medicine, sustainability, recycling innovations, and the CBD and hemp world. If you want to learn how to build a brand and scale a brand, I've got you covered. You can subscribe to this on iTunes, on Spotify, which I prefer. You can follow me on LinkedIn. And I'm on Instagram at different, better, special brands. Now, what do I do? What's my day job? Well, I help companies attract talent. So when your organization is struggling to attract talent, give me a call. I'll share with you what makes my system different, better, and special, and why we're so effective. All right, enough about all that. Let's get into today's episode. Woo! <laughs> Well, you never know what we're going to get when we do one of these podcasts when I bring in my co-host and I have Thaddeus again with me here today. You you know, you are too you were always too young to be in retirement and you've just come out of it, right? Yeah, I am uh, I am fortunately coming out of early retirement. Um getting ready to go work with a new company uh on Monday, March 7th. You're pretty well known in the food space. Uh, he was VP sales at Samazon. And he went into early retirement to surf, I guess. Was that- That's right. To surf, take a little bit of a break, a little post-pandemic relaxation time. But then I found out that I was getting really bored and it was time to time to dust off the old cleats and get back in the game, coach. Exactly. And so you got the call. You came up. Um, well, I shouldn't say they called you up from double A. You are, you're at least a triple A kind of guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was hanging out in the minors. You've done what a lot of people are frankly trying to do in this marketplace. There's a there are a lot of companies that are hiring, a lot of companies are growing, right? And you were able to land, you know, a, a great role back into food service. And that really ties in great today because I have Matt Cotton. He's the founder and CEO of Rooted Sales. Hey Matt, how are you today, sir? Hello, Tony. I'm well. Thank you for having me. Uh, we are we're thrilled to have you, and particularly Thaddeus, because you know, with him working at Sambazon and him opening up all the you know food service business, it just made perfect sense for you to come in and talk to us about rooted food sales and this you know food service brokerage that you've opened. And I just would love to hear just what were you thinking? Why <laughs> why do you want to be your own boss, run a brokerage, and you know what makes you guys different, better, special? Totally. Thank you for the question. So my, my real brief path was uh, headed up food service sales for two emerging better for you brands and then a larger, more conventional food company in between have always been most kind of jazzed up, fired up about the emerging better for you brand. Hope those two brands who were just in the retail space grow in the food service and food service is just super old school. I hired and managed probably 15 to 20 different brokers over my years and it was with respect, it was, you know, always good people, deeply underwhelming relationship. And I just got fired up to create just kind of this new school, new school brokerage for these, uh, with the timing, Expo West kind of brand. So I started Rooted Food Sales in the 
absurd timing of early March 2020. And yeah, we're, we've been able to grow an amazing team, have an amazing portfolio of brands. Well, that took some guts to jump in in March of 2020. Um, but but that's fascinating and that's great. And I can certainly echo your your comments a little bit, having worked to build a couple of you know, two, three brands now that were mainly retail and then move into the food service side. And it can be tough, man, especially when you're trying to break into brokerage, you know, working with a national broker, trying to trying to do what we call the four letter word of pioneering a yeah. new brand and everything. So that's a big challenge. Why don't you talk a little bit about that and, and, and what you're doing? Mm-hmm. So yeah, tradition, and I don't want to bash other brokers, but it, it was part of the drive of why I started Rooted. Most broker groups, they want to more do a, account management. There might be one person working at Cisco and the regional manager from the brand will come in and they'll line them up with a couple calls. So for us, yeah, I wanted to create a group of actual proactive scrappy sellers because pioneering is a thing. Right. Because the distributor does not want to bring in new products. That's not their business model. So you have to backdoor the distributor. So you go to key operators large enough to force distribution in the good old chicken and the egg game, which seems to be my day to day. And so, yeah, I could talk, you know, almost any school, a QSR larger than five, six units. Um, and yeah, so I wanted to create the group who could get after it. And when and do that chicken and egg game so well and then just keep growing from there. Yeah, it's interesting for me to, to see sometimes the distributors, I understand their struggles. They have limited space. Obviously, they need throughput. They need volume, especially when it gets into the frozen category. Their freezers are very small. And so trying to find a product that gets them the right velocity can be a challenge. That being said, they still need to find new products, especially in this new natural, better for you space, plant-based, everything, which is seems like where you're playing, right? Yep. Yep. For me, I mean, as probably every salesperson knows, it's we. every salesperson at some point has sold something they haven't believed in and it's just painful and fake and selling something you believe in and sales is magical. So for me in my household, I've always been passionate and intrigued and excited about better for you brands. So um, yeah. So with Rooted, just wanted to represent brands that I was excited about. Well, I'm kind of curious because I, I've looked over your poll portfolio of, of brands. So how, like, what's your philosophy behind attracting new brands and, and what are they really asking you to do for them? Because I notice you're just food service. You're not doing anything retail. Mm-hmm. So our, our typical brand that we represent is for the most part is a brand that's doing well, if not really well in retail and food service is this mysterious space. And, and, and but they know there's upside there to grow the brand and the business. So they come to me and rooted food sales to it's honestly doesn't even feel like a broker model to really be their food service sales team and get them off the ground in into food service. Yeah, I like that. I like the way you, you brought that up, which is it's not necessarily a broker model. You become their in-house sales team. You're an extension of them more so than than managing accounts and things like that. You're actually out there helping set strategy and then help them drive the business. Because to your point, I like to say that food service is very complex, but it's not difficult. Yet there are, in my opinion, very few people that can understand the needs of some of the brands that you're representing and the complexities of food service and help bring them together. Totally. And Thaddeus, and for me, what differences between grocery and food service are so interesting because so many people just live in the grocery space. Like why would the reason food service is mysterious is because why, why would they know about it? So the common questions I get, like one of them is, is there a review schedule? And you're like, no, nah, it's the wild west. 
I mean, other than like larger convenience stores. So it's just like, yeah, it's just, it's a whole, you know, and they're like, do we have to give our way our firstborn to get any business like we do in retail? I'm like, no, you're not even going to get asked for a free fill. Like, other, yeah, you know, how much is slotting, right? How much yeah, is slotting yeah. for this account? You're like, no, you're actually going to make money from the beginning. <laughs> you're not, you know, yeah. No, like, no trade promotion deals. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's certainly, I mean, you know, the, you, once you get into distribution and things like that, things can change a little bit. But initially, moving forward and building the brand, uh, the, the model is just a lot more free flowing. It's kind of the reason that I, I stepped away from retail and went into food service so many years ago. And I won't tell you how many years ago, but uh, it was because- That's right. Number just, one rule, we don't date ourselves. We don't date ourselves. <laughs> uh, it was it was just really just the, the energy and, and the- the, the, it was more fun to, to work in the food service space and work with chefs and work with people that are excited and passionate about food. Yeah. And I, I, I love it. I find just the sales game, if I may, more fun because retail and not trying, you know, has its own challenges and, and upside of it being fun. But it feels like more of a boxed in sell where it's like, all right, what are, what's the review cycle for these guys? What are they going to want for the promotion where food service? It's like you can connect with a Panera or large coffee chain or college, like on a random Tuesday, they can be like, yeah, that product looks great. I want to take a look. Not like, oh, we're reviewing that in seven months. Get your act together for how you want to earn the business. It's just, it's fun. So you brought up uh, a very key part of food service, which is different than retail is we have a lot more different segments, right? Retail, you've got kind of your traditional grocery, you've got your natural, you've got your mass and you've got your club and maybe some nuances in and out there. So let's talk a little bit about those segments. And are there areas that you find that you play better in? A hundred percent. So our primary channels where once again, in the chicken and the egg game, the channels where if you get a yes, it's going to force distributions and volume. So we, and there's certain channels that care about better for you uh, more than others. So our heavy channels are college and university, uh, convenience and it matters right if it's a packaged good or a, a kitchen you know empanada a veggie burger versus like a, a a chip so it matters a little bit but for the most part yeah college university for everyone amazing channel convenience and and you know we just represent better for you brand so when i say convenience it's the convenience chains who care about better for you which keeps which keeps growing and growing growing uh, a QSR, which can be anything from salad bowl places, artisan pizza, better for you burger, to uh, um, uh, artist, uh, I mean, salad bowl, smoothie juice. Um, so those really are our big three, depending on the ice item, grocery prepared foods becomes really interesting. Travel is a super interesting channel as well. And then last one that's our primary is corporate. Obviously been sleeping the last couple of years, but when corporate's alive, the volume is ridiculous. Um, so those are our big channels. And then there's honestly five, 10 other channels that are awesome channels that just aren't primary for us, but we, we do work in. I, I know in beverage, there's a big you know issue around sampling. What's the strategy around helping these channels really kind of get into the product to make sure it works in their lineup and makes you know, works in their kitchens? How does that work for you guys? So it matters if it's more of like a technical, like we're giving you a kitchen item and you kind of need to know how to cook it or how to serve it. And then, then you might kind of connect with the chef. And if, it, um, and if it's just like a package good, yeah, you know, you might, you might give them some guidance on where that, that, the, the product could be placed, but it's mostly seeing if you can support with signage to get some 
exposure. Hey, local, if that's the case, uh, women owned, uh, uh, gluten free to get them some signage. And then some accounts, and I mean, Thaddeus, I'm sort of curious how you guys supported this. The bigger accounts, I mean, we definitely qualify if we're going to go out and demo for the day and not be selling. But some bigger accounts, you know, you go and support and do a kickoff demo and, you know, sample the, you know, thousands of students, you know, during an afternoon or something, you know, and, and you get the word out. But it's also just kind of supporting the partnership as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And to that point, uh, and a little bit, a little bit add on to that, Tony. The, the sampling part of it is a huge part of food service uh, and just reaching people and accessing people. And it can be a huge cost, too. Uh, and so, you know, there's there's different firms out there that can help with that uh, to make sure that you've got a concise way of doing it and tracking sampling and things like that. That's for the selling to the operator side. Then if you talk about sampling the actual consumer, you're going to see a lot of opportunities, a lot of places, especially to Matt's point at college and university where they're going to want you on campus or, well, they're letting us back on campus right now. <laughs> they, they may yeah. not have wanted us there for the past couple of years, but previously and now post-pandemic, they're wanting us on campus. Let's get in front of the students. Let's showcase your product and really get it out there. Are you still are you starting to see more of that, Matt? Yeah, and I'm realizing I answered the second part of that, the consumer part. As far as selling to the operator, it's really interesting because pre-COVID, I was on the road four days a week. If I wasn't, I felt like a self-loathing slacker and I was doing my job wrong. So now it's really <laughs> interesting as this virtual world is so much more efficient. Obviously in person will always be king, but this new flow, the new flow is you try to get a virtual meeting or an in-person, but usually I feel like almost out of, I don't want to say laziness, but efficiency or what the buyer has gotten used to, it's send me samples and I'll review it. And then you just send samples and just try to hold them accountable a little bit to try it. Hey, here's tracking. It's arriving today. You know, can we can we line up, uh, you know, give them a week, week and a half to gather as a team to try it and then try to line up uh, another call. So that's really the selling process now, which is very interesting to me because it's changed so much. As far as being able to do live sampling. Uh, yeah, it feels yeah, it feels back ish. <laughs> back ish. I like that. Well, one of the one of the things we should talk about real, real quick is we didn't really touch on this, which is there is that nuanced difference between selling a food service operator and then also selling to the consumer. So in traditional, you know, the retail side of the business, you're getting in front of the buyer and then it's going on the shelf and you have some more what I would deem traditional methods of enticing the consumer to purchase, whether it be through trade advertising or spending or things like that. For food service, you have to kind of, you have to you have to sell your product to the operator, right? They have to understand why they need this product, why they, their customers want it. And then you also have to, once you have it on the menu or wherever you have it placed, you have to make sure the consumer sees it and understands what it is too. So there's a little bit of a challenge there. How do you deal with that? Yeah, I think it's, you definitely have less control. I, I think, you know, cause we, we're, we're selling more premium items. So if they're going to spend more, they're gonna want to share with the students, with the consumer, why they're you know why you know why should they sell it as just some commodity item? So if you offer like I was saying earlier, like signage, you know of like this is a you know a branded item, e even if even if it's a proper food service item and it's a cookie and it's on the case, hey, we're now selling you know brand X cookies, uh, uh, you know gluten free of the top eight allergens. Uh, women owned, local, and it's just kind of getting that marketing there. But you have way less, you don't have much. And then 
you know, I'm curious your thoughts if you, if you think I'm short any forgetting anything, but really, and it's also just asking, right? That you, most of these people have places have a marketing person. So it's asking, how can we support? How, how can we help with exposure? And that's really all you can do, um, I think. But I'm curious, Thaddeus, do you, what else did you guys find? No, I mean, I think that on the, on the marketing to the operator side, there's different vehicles that you can go, which are more traditional trade advertising, trade spend, you know, food service director, things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but on the consumer side, you, your point is valid that it's it's right on that it can be it can be a bit of a challenge. It's okay. Can we work with your marketing team to try to help get involved, you know, get in front of folks and, and really try to help them see that this product is now available? Yeah, and I know some some, and we don't really handle this, but you know, sometimes have brand ambassadors. So they'll you get into Cornell and they'll you hire someone I don't know for samples or light pay, and they're the brand ambassador at Cornell and they're doing sampling, they're handing out swag. Yeah. What about co-op advertising? Does that come into play at all? Because I can imagine. Many of the food and beverage brands I've had on, they have these really important missions or a purpose that they're trying to accomplish. And some of these natural and good for you products also have that they want to get that message out in front of people, but that shouldn't be your burden. I think it's it's interesting because like Matt and I talked about, we have to a lot of times educate the the manufacturer on how all these things work. So the burden really does still tend to fall on the salesperson to try to educate them and convince them yeah a hundred percent because you know if if we just sell if we sell a product in it's very exciting but if we sell a product in and it tanks then it becomes very unexciting so it's like there's only so much you can do uh in our in our space but yeah it's connecting with the marketing person and if there's an awesome story to tell once again having that marketing piece there to kind of connect with the consumer uh, yeah well especially on, on on the packaged goods so you know, for instance, you know, I, I coached a lot of my my team members over the years that, you know, they'd be really excited when they got the sale. And I said, well, that's that's great. We're in the door. But what are we going to do to make sure that the product moves? And that's really more important because you could have a thousand touch points across the country and you could not be moving more than a half a case a week. And I wouldn't consider that successful. You know, so what are you doing at the operator level to really make sure you make it a success? So for, for salespeople like us, that's really a little bit more important than just getting it in the door. On the co-op side, uh, I think that you're starting to see that a lot more in the plant-based space. So you'll see Just Egg and Beyond doing a sandwich together somewhere and starting to say, hey, let's co-promote this stuff. I don't think it personally happens enough, but I also think that that's because and Matt, I'd like to hear your opinion on this. A lot of retail-focused companies don't put a lot of money into food service marketing or even people, for that matter, to really help them drive that business forward. And I feel like that's a miss. I feel like if they if they put a little bit more thought into it and were a little bit more into spending a little bit to get that co-op promotion or just promote the product itself, that they they do themselves a lot more of a service. What do you think? Yeah. Well, it's tricky because sometimes. Yeah, often it depends what channel you're talking about. Like a QSR, you know, beyond impossible, it has value to get that stamp. Um, and I've seen Bonza with their pizza crust get that stamp. But often, you know, in QSR, if you make a delicious cookie or pizza crust, they want to use it as their own. And it, you know, they don't, 
they don't want yeah it's true i mean it's hit or miss yeah, that's a great yeah. point right is it white yeah. label or is it a branded so yet that's an excellent point well on the qsr side a lot of times they'll, they'll just flat out tell you we're here to build our brand not yours yes and so you know a lot of times the Q, the qsr side is purely a volume play and unfortunately, it's also purely a, a volume play and not necessarily a highly profitable play, which I think a lot of people know. But uh, when you get into the other segments, I think they're a lot more apt to do it. One of the nice things about colleges or even BNI for that matter is that they're not necessarily competing with each other. So they'll share ideas mm-hmm. and they'll, they'll kind of help cross promote and talk about things and, and, and whatnot. So, uh, but yeah, the QSR space is definitely a little bit more, a little bit more uh, difficult to deal with on the branded side. Matt, what are you seeing in terms of just trending products? What seems to be the mm-hmm. consumer's mm-hmm. favorite thing right now? What are you seeing? Totally. And, and I, my, my, one of my favorite questions to ask at the end of uh, uh, sales calls are, I'm like, I'm just curious. Is there anything you're actively looking for? You know, because then even if I, even if I don't sell it, I love to be, uh, yeah, resource. And and people are looking for. I mean, plant-based, I'm such an obvious statement, but you're asking plant-based is through, it's just, it's, yeah, it's just constant. That's what people are looking for. Plant-based, gluten-free, local, those are the big three. Keto, honestly, I don't hear that much at all. People don't ask. Yeah, plant-based, gluten-free, and local, those are the big three. How about breaking down plant-based? Because that's obviously, that covers a wide variety. So are there a few categories within? Mm-hmm. Like I see a lot with cheese, you know, people are trying to get that. Thaddeus, you were working with a uh, a queso cheese, yeah, aren't you? There's, there's, I think, I think if you look at the space right now, I think what you've seen is there's kind of been an over-influx of the meat alternatives, if you will, or alt-proteins. From even from the Gardein days all the way to Impossible Beyond, and now it seems like everybody before the butcher, everybody has a, a, a burger or a chicken product. Gosh, the chicken products are through the roof. Seafood is coming, um, or if not already here, not to scale necessarily, but I see that as a very big next venture. I think cheese has been around for a while. Uh, I wouldn't know that. I, I don't know if I don't know that category as a whole that well. Uh, to say who's who's the leader and, and really what's going on. Certainly Daya and things like that have been around forever. But the hard thing with cheese and everybody still talks about is it does it melt, right? Does it melt on the pizza? Uh, I have been working with a company called Loca Foods and they have a delicious plant-based queso that's made from potatoes. It's phenomenal. But it basically is designed to be that like nacho cheese that you get at the ballpark, but happens to be made from plants. So that's another area that I see, that I see kind of shifting is in that in that space of dairy or cheese, but into those really, really familiar form factors that you're used to. Matt, what about you? Yeah, well, and I say what's interesting is that's what people seem to always be asking for, but sometimes you get in these more innovative items and the volume is fine. And at the end of the day, even though they say they want these, it is, and we sell some more, more heavy hitter items and those, you know, the, the, the chicken fingers and the burgers, meat burgers like those are the things that fly so i feel like they they want those offerings because they probably probably those students may may be the loudest um and by may i mean probably are you know so yeah so i've noticed like sometimes i get in those products and the volume's fine and that a more conventional like mozzarella stick just is is is, is through the roof but yeah what are people yeah those i mean the plant-based burgers 
ah, they just keep, yeah, and the plant-based chicken items, they keep pop, 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 pop. They keep, they, they keep popping. Uh, so, they're everywhere. everywhere. I mean, they're, they're, they're everywhere. And everyone is kind of, I think, almost late to the game. Maybe there'll be some consolidation in that space. I imagine there will be as some of the larger protein manufacturers out there that are doing traditional proteins like real chicken and beef and things like that. You're starting to see them get in, get more and more in play. And I think like any business that as they expand so quickly that eventually people will start to fall off or start to consolidate. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think another trend is uh, definitely functional beverage. I feel like food service probably lags behind retail. So functional beverage has been a thing in retail for a while and now in food service, getting asked about it more. Um, you know, it's beverage is its own tricky category in food service because Coke and Pepsi are very annoying. Um, and just, 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 <laughs> just, just have awesome contracts where they just, so even with functional, you know, if they have anything, even a distant cousin of what beverage you're trying to show them Coke, it makes it really tricky with Coke and Pepsi, but yeah, I would say functional beverage as well is something I hear about more and more and some real big players look at, looking at increasing. I mean like better for you soda, big, big time. There's so many players now we, we, we do represent an amazing one. Um, yeah. That sounds like an oxymoron, better for you soda, right? We've been trained that soda is so bad for I, you. I so. know, but it's amazing, these different brands. So, yeah, I mean, we, we, we represent HealthAid, uh, who is, the num I think, now the number one kombucha, and they have a, a better for you pop, a prebiotic uh, soda pop. Um, but, yeah, and there's others, you know, Olipop, obviously, crushing, and, yeah. It depends on what part of the country you come from, whether you call it pop or soda, correct? Yeah, I, I'm, in, I'm in soda world. My wife's a Midwesterner, so I can roll with pop and tennis shoes, which still confuses me as a tennis player. I'm like, but tennis shoes, what do you, what? You know, for me, I, I if I may, that is, it's so interesting. It's like, when, it, when we go, when I'm at Expo West next week, it's like, why all those brands? Why is food service the afterthought is it because it's so mysterious or because it's like always done you go to retail first or now d to c it's just it's very interesting you're like oh but you can like make money in food service and you can grow the brand it's just if you don't mind it's, it's very interesting to me yeah so and, and and i've talked with a lot of investors about this as well and the, the way i can easily distill it down is that you can get really big wins in retail very quickly mm -hmm. and start putting numbers on the board so Yesterday, we didn't have Publix. Today, we have 2,000 stores. Boom. That's a significant win, and investors like yeah. to see that, whereas I like to say food service is more of the hockey stick model, and this isn't a, a video podcast, unfortunately, but uh, it, it starts people out- people who are listening to this do not, can't visualize a hockey <laughs> stick, we're that's, really attracting the wrong people. Let's give them a little bit of credit, Thaddeus. All right, fair enough. So it's- We don't want to kick you back into retirement. It starts out pretty slow. And by, if you're looking at the hockey stick as a graph of sales, it starts out flat towards the, the tip of the stick and moves its way up. And then all of a sudden, once you hit distribution nationally, you get a right sales force on board, you get a good broker, et cetera. And you know you've got some wins in some segments. It'll just take off, and then it goes vertical up that up the stairs. Yeah, stand. it's it's so great because I'm trying, you know, I try to be as genuine as I can and transparent about what it's like in the foods in to enter food service. If, if you're if we're pioneering, and it's like it's just different, and that that's exactly it. And I like the I like the hockey stick hockey stick example. It's just it's just different, right? It's like you can get the big win. It's just in retail, first of all, how much did you pay for it? You might have a couple thousand public stores, but how much did you pay for it? And food service, you're just knocking them off left and right, making money off each case and then build, build, build. Yeah, I, that's good. 
Yeah, the one thing I will say about food service that's that I like as opposed to retail is that if you build it properly, it seems it's much more sustainable. Mm-hmm. Retail, you can be on the shelf today and your velocity is not where it needs to be and boom, it's gone. And now all of a sudden you went from 2000 stores back down and you lost all those. Yeah, those pretty terrible. yeah I've heard food service, uh, you know, it's referred to as, as very sticky business, like tougher to get, but it's very, it's very sticky business. Well, what I love is that you're in a space that is, it's the fastest growing really category in food. Everyone wants the natural, the good for you. And I think you talked about local. I think you're just in a great spot because you can go out and talk to other brands and show them this great portfolio you, you already have, right? It's, you're not trying to show them an empty cupboard and say, boy, I'd love for you to come in and be part of this. No, you can already show them this suite of products, right? That they're going to fit in and they're going to have a home and that your sales reps and you, you understand their product, you understand how it's used. So you've already got that momentum. You've got that ball ball rolling now. So uh, I guess as, as we kind of wrap up, um, you like, what are your plans for 2022, 2023? What's your vision for the company? Thank you for the question. Uh, so Rooted 1.0 is just having eight ridiculous next level high vibe seller. So legit national coverage um, with an incredible portfolio, a limited true true boutique model, not smoke and mirrors, a limited amount of brands that we just are fired up to sell. Um, so that's kind of rooted 1.0. And then, uh, you know, fr- from there kind of 2.0, which I, I can less wrap my head around now would be, you know, maybe a shrinking territory map with, with more sellers and or or more junior reps and just yeah for me in a, in a nutshell just want to build just the most powerful genuine fierce uh, uh sales organization for better for you brands to enter food service um yeah and our, our team right now is, is is just best in class the bars yeah so while we're wrapping things up a little bit here why don't you tell us about your brands real quick just kind of give us a, a brief overview of who they are yeah, I'm gonna feel bad because I won't mention. Uh, yeah, so we we represent. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean we represent. He asked Tony to edit this. No, yeah. <laughs> hilarious. Don't worry, Matt. We can totally so edit. Matt, this. which is your favorite son? Yeah, yeah right. hilarious. Yeah, so yeah, we were. The, I, I the politically correct answer is I love them all, and I have a lot of them, <laughs> and I'm not gonna call any of them out. You got a great portfolio, Matt. You got a lot of. Them. This is hilarious because I don't. I I've been too lazy to figure out how to edit my podcast, so it's very interesting right now that you can. Oh, I'm can, not gonna edit this. Are you kidding? Because no, I'm gonna turn this back around on Thaddeus. I'm just gonna say he totally he totally spaced out and blacked out on what products he represents. Absolutely, Matt is a true <laughs> professional. He would never do that. You guys are funny. Um, so yeah, an amazing portfolio. That's good. That's how, and that's how you finish the podcast. No. Um, well, Matt, thank you so much for for being here and giving everyone an introduction to your this fiery new brand. I mean, I think anybody that's listened to this podcast, they can tell you operate on eleven. Most people, you know, it goes to ten. That's it. Everyone should get that reference, right, Thaddeus? Right, eleven. Even I got that one, one to ten. Exactly. So why did you de- demean people with a hockey stick? That's 
I feel like that's where you're operating. And I think that's the kind of the vibe that I get from you and the kind of people that, that work there. So for brands that really want that extra coverage to make that leap from retail to food serve, this is kind of, this is the kind of boutique, you know, shop to go to. So thank you for coming in and really kind of helping us and Thaddeus you as well. Thank you for kind of showing people some of the nuances and the differences and the challenges within this brokerage space and how to get those get those products flying into food surf. Well, thank you guys. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Thaddeus. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Matt.